Bloody Elbow presents Sixth Round Retro, the show that digs into the archives and does a comprehensive review of classic MMA events that span as far back as UFC 1. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to the Sixth Round Retro. I'm your host, Eddie Mercado, joined once again by the ever-enchanting, victorious Vic Rodriguez. Vic, how is you, player? I am so happy. I am so immensely happy. I, you know, you know where this is going to go. It's almost Christmas. Uh, by the time this comes out, it'll already be done. But uh, yeah, I'm prepping for Christmas dinner. I've got, I've got pork shoulder. I've got chicken. I'm making mm. some rice. I'm, got, I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. That this is, this is good, man. I'm, I'm doing great. And then to top it all off, to mm. top it all off, how am I getting ready for all this? But hanging out with my guy. Hey. Eddie Mercado, we ain't done this in a long goddamn time. I love this. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. And not only am I happy to sit here and share this with you, but the fact that, I mean, it's a fire card. This is such a great event. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you agreed to do this and that we made this happen because, oh, boy, this was amazing. And, um, yeah, man, this is is fantastic. I'm, I'm doing beautifully. Yeah, that's good to hear. And and absolutely, it's always a pleasure doing these. It's so much fun going back and just revisiting, uh, you know, cards from yesteryear, even though the one we have today is kind of a more recent card. <clears throat> Usually we don't get these recent ones, but it's kind of a monumental moment for MMA, I'll say. So we might as well tell everyone while we're here, we're doing uh, PFL Season 2018 Championship event. So this was... Um, kind of a new thing uh of course we had bellator and pride so you know mma has seen tournament formats before even the ufc early days they had tournament formats uh but the sport kind of really got away from it um (laughs) and pfl just brought it back with a vengeance um and and to make people care they put a million dollars on the line for each division and that's unheard of yeah and you know what here's the thing with that too right like we've seen how, you know, the tournament structure was something that the UFC was clearly born out of for different reasons. It is now uh, very different from what it was. I don't think you could really consider that MMA anymore, you know. Uh, it was just a different situation. But then Bellator decided to pick up the mantle. They were doing tournaments, and it was it was cool. I mean, I ain't knocking it, you know. It just they had a lot of constraints, and they were too tightly um, – stuck to the rigors of that format in a way that didn't exactly make great and the breakneck pace that they were running for it didn't really make it enjoyable tv i mean that's still going on we're still we're still getting bellator tournaments well they call it the grand prix they're not running the same way though you come on like this not this isn't like a one night to week to week to week to week you know and and guys having you know uh, uh less than two months between fights and stuff that's not it, you know exactly what if you, if you were there at the time you you know and i know you were there for it i'm just saying like it, it was um the tournament structure was was such a such a rough thing and now it is still rough don't get me wrong you have the course of a year to make this work and you have it spaced out a little more fairly especially between the semifinals and the finals and when you get to that thing there and you add to that the million dollar prize at the end which i'm glad bellator adopted by the way i don't think there's yeah. If, if you're going to ape anything from somebody else, I'm glad it's this. I'm glad it's the fighters actually <laughs> getting a fat check at the end on top of their um, on top of their purses fight to fight. So, uh, 
Yeah, this is this is a, a brilliant thing. And so this was their maiden voyage, right? This was their inaugural season, which also it was not perfect, did not go off without hitches, uh, guys missing weight, uh, injury replacements. Uh, it was it was a bit of a mess. The first two years were very, very touch and go. And um, this year. It's it went as close to perfectly, I guess, as you could hope for. And uh, yeah. they, they did catch a few lucky breaks here and there. But uh, this back then, it was interesting to see how they were going to handle this stuff. And for the greater part, man, I mean, they they did pretty great. I, yeah. I'd, give them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd give them high passing marks on this. Another cool thing is, you know, it was always, you know, if you want a payday, you go to the UFC or you know, maybe try to strike it big in Bellator, if not Ryzen, maybe possibly one. But here's PFL. It's they gave a platform for fighters to to come and win a million dollars without having to go to the UFC or fighters coming from the UFC. Right. <clears throat> so on this card, <clears throat> excuse me, we have uh, ex UFC fighters who many people counted out. And they found new life in PFL, came in $1 million. On the same token, we also have guys who could have gone to the UFC but elected to skip that 10 and 10, 20 and 20, 30 and 30 pay scale to come into the PFL and cash in on that million-dollar prize. So I I thought – I'm glad PFL is a thing and it exists as an option that's getting more and more popular. We got guys like Shane Burgos jumping ship in free agency. Uh, So I I like that. It gives – fighters options and it gives fighters just a little bit of power in in a industry that is very much top heavy and all the power lies in the suits so to speak that that is true and you know i i really i'm glad you made that point you know they somehow made themselves a marquee attraction for some of these guys you know guys are a lot more comfortable picking up their pieces and going somewhere else and, and seeing for example rory mcdonald shane burgos glason tebow uh, Anthony Pettis. You see all these guys that were probably seen as over the hill or probably just like, you know what, this ain't it right now. Hey, let me go out there and see if I can make a million. But on top of that, you've got the potential for Cinderella stories. You've got your Ray Coopers, whom we're definitely going to be talking quite a bit about here. Uh, you've got guys like uh, Shoeface, right? You know, Antonio yeah. Carlos Jr. You've Love got him. the Emiliano Sordi. Mm-hmm. All these guys that some of them probably not heard from ever before and some of them you know like damn your name is ringing a little louder now and you are also making life-changing money so um uh, yeah this is this has been like a net good i'd say despite many problems that the organization has which i don't i don't think we have enough time to delve into all of them right right but, <laughs> but uh yeah i'm 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 really excited that we're having an opportunity to address this because i don't really think that this is given uh enough analysis and enough praise for what they've done right yeah so the season 2018 this was a new year's eve card um, which was actually a very special time for me, 2018. Uh, this was when I, I had just finished my Muay Thai fight in Thailand. I was over in Ryzen covering that on New Year's Eve. Meanwhile, this is going on simultaneously in the U.S. Not a good move. <laughs> well, 12 hours different or 24. Well, no, no, There's no, a, not, a, not a good move for them. I don't know why they were so doggedly sticking to this. No, we're going to do a New Year's Eve show at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, the Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe it's uh they didn't want to go up against the UFC, perhaps. So there's only so many dates you can really ink in if you're trying to be smart about it. 
Um, but it, it, you know, it was what it was. But a lot of people had to go back and revisit it. You know, like I did. Um, probably most people, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You got to get in where you fit in. Uh, so the commentators we had Todd Harris, the legendary Boss Rutten, and the legendary R- Randy Couture. Awesome guys. Oddly enough, uh, so I was covering Karate Combat down in Orlando for mm-hmm. Karate Combat 37, and Boss Rutten's there, one of their commentators. And uh, he was saying that his dream fight was Randy Couture. Oh. Uh, Could you imagine that matchup? I no, no, I cannot. I mean, that 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 would be that could go various ways. Yeah, that's you one know? of those true uh, two true outcome fights, right? Mm. Randy yeah. was going to get knocked out, leg kicked to death, or Boss was going to get grinded on. Yeah, but I mean, he had that happen against uh, Randleman <clears throat> as well. So, you know, and he yeah, won that true. one. From the bottom. True, true. true, A a rarity back then. All right. So overall, we had seven fights total with five finishes, six new millionaires before taxes, of course, one two time (laughs) Olympic gold medalist in her third MMA fight. Mm -hmm. I hope I didn't lose anybody with those numbers. Vic, you still with me? I think so. Let's get it. Mm -hmm. All right. So opening up the show, Lewis Taylor. Lewis, put the guns down, Taylor. Excuse me. Defeats. Defeats Abu Smagomedov by KO just 33 seconds into the first round. And holy smokes, I'm not even going to lie. This one made me tear up. This one hit me right in the feels. I'm a big Lewis Taylor fan. I was uh, covering him in the WSOF. I really, uh, I just, I liked his style. I liked his message. He comes from the south side of Chicago. Mm. And, you know, he had every reason in the world to to go down the wrong path, but he didn't. He he got into wrestling. He started coaching and, and then he just started competing and just made all the right decisions. And this is his Cinderella story. You know, big underdog coming into this a boost, nasty technician mm. um, has it all right. He's I mean, he's currently, you know, kicking ass in the UFC. Yes. Yes, he is lethal. A guy who had a, a tremendous year, really, in in uh, PFL's inaugural run. I I didn't think. I mean, like you know, th- this is where the uh, that tide of UFD guys in Germany were um, really tearing things up. You know, in KSW and uh, EMC and M1, like they were doing work out there. And this cat came up, and he was. I mean, he came into the uh, inaugural PFL year at 19 and three. What I don't think a lot of people understood, because middleweight is also an, an awful division in many ways. Uh, <laughs> this dude had, I mean, he had some finishing power. He had finishing technique. He made his way all the way through to um, getting the finals through nothing but finishes. And Well, for the first two fights, at least, I should say. Um, he had back-to-back finishes, then a draw, which, I mean, that kind of, that could have ruined him. What does he do? He ends up winning a decision against Saidi Boussi, who's super tough to look good against and who just won an awful, awful, awful <laughs> title <laughs> fight in this uh, this year's um, finale. But, I mean, super tough dude. I mean, I'm just saying that to mention, like, this guy really went through the fire of, you know, fighting guys like uh, Anderson Gonzalez, who was probably not ready for that fight. And then Danilo Villafort, who was another dude that people had a lot of high hopes for. Yeah, and and – Abus, he's a he, he's from Dagestan, right? So he's got that wrestling, but he's yeah. more of uh, more of a Rashid Magomedov type. Like he'll stay at range and just pick you apart. Yeah, right? I don't so know. He's got he's got strikes. 
I don't know if he had training in like in if he's one of those dudes who's like expanding going to Tiger Muay Thai or something like that. But his training yeah, is he, very. He to, he, it was a um, Eastern um, European. Um, like he, okay. he did a lot of time in uh, Germany. Okay, so he just he did, he never he never did the South Asian circuit. I mean, I say that because his striking is very, you know, a lot of knees, a lot of elbows, a lot of like very the stance and everything looks very very much like a dude who's been training straight Muay Thai for mm-hmm. at least some chunk of his career, his life. So I'm curious as to see what kind of cross training he's done because he looked he, that year he looked good. I mean, see him now at the UFC the way he put away Dustin Stalswist. Oh my goodness, he looks he looks really really fucking good. Yeah, and, and this was kind of a changing of the guard here. This is this is a, a young lion stepping up to face the old lion. I mean, Taylor was 39 years old here. Yeah. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it, it's just – it's absolutely incredible. But I say that to say – so Magomedov's got hands. He's got yeah. defense. Like, he's sharp. He's polished. He's polished on the feet. And for Taylor to just leap in with a left hook, it's like the first punch he threw. Just completely knocked him back, like one of them silly cartoonish fallbacks. It didn't even look real. Like, you know what it looked like? <laughs> mm. You ever seen Angels in the Outfield? No, I never got to see it. Oh, my gosh. You at least go watch a trailer. But it, it basically it's a baseball movie where, like, the Angels help the, the Angels win a pennant. And uh, they would, like, interject themselves in baseball games and maybe grab the ball and take it out for a home run or whatever. But it looked like an angel came down and grabbed Taylor's left hand and like launched him into Magomedov. Mm. It's one of the wildest, just leap in left hooks you'll ever see. And I mean, it was, it was spectacular. It's like, if you were ever going to throw that, that's the time. And not only, here's my thing with that. He launches the mother of all punches in that moment against that guy. I mean, you look at who he did that to. Mm-hmm. A guy who's been able to take punishment, a guy who's usually really good with his defense, and he slept him early, made that money. And much respect to Lewis Taylor. They didn't bring back the middleweight division. They've, they've phased that out, which probably the best call they've made, unfortunately. I, I just don't know that there's enough. I mean, maybe they could bring it back at some point. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really too hopeful of it, but um, – Taylor, you know, he was like, all right, I'll be back next year. You know, that million doesn't go as far as some people might think, but he was down for it. And I guess um, they were spending the bulk of the season in Jersey. He wasn't cleared to medically compete somewhere. I think it was either New York or New Jersey. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to pull out. And he just retired. And And you know what, man? I I love that. I I love nothing more when, when guys go out on top, guys go out on the win. I don't have to watch them get the snot beat out of them for them to realize it's time to hang up the gloves. So this was this was uh, spectacular. And I loved his post fight speech, man. He's he's all he you know, he looks to his wife, and says the house is paid for. He looks to his daughter <laughs> and says the school's paid for. You know what I'm saying? He says, I don't need a fancy car. I need to make sure my family's taken care of. Yeah. And uh, and then he, he gave a, a heartfelt thank you to. Someone who was his student, who who then started helping him train, uh, Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. Longtime loyalist for Lewis Taylor. If you want to know, guys. Yeah, if you want to know why Bilal Muhammad's takedown defense is so stellar, go look at Lewis Taylor because that's exactly why. Yeah, A lot of people and- don't know. That that a lot of people don't realize that but you know these guys are brothers and been through a lot and believed in each other and 
and the fruits of their labor are, are on display. Look at what Bilal's doing right now. He's doing great things in the UFC. He's scratching at the door of a title shot. He might be kicking that door down soon. Things keep going the way they're going, really. And Taylor, to his credit, he was going to fight Chris Curtis, who's now doing, again, also another guy, doing amazing work in the UFC. Like, how did, it's, just like, it's just crazy how all these dudes went through PFL, and then they're like, now they get into the UFC, and like, holy shit, that guy's good, man. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's good to see people that, like, um, you kind of feel like a bit of an MMA hipster, you know? you like, oh, yeah, I saw that guy when he was fighting there, you know? But um, to, to see that happen, right, he was going to fight Chris Curtis. That's where he decided to retire. He was coaxed out of it to fight in Russia for RCC later that year in December to fight none other than Alexander Shlomenko in a fight that did not materialize. I'm glad he stayed gone, really. I, I mean, this is this is – I'm glad that it stayed this way. I'm sure he probably yeah. thought he could take Shlomenko. I'm pretty sure the paycheck must have been thick, especially the way RCC does things, which is not too much background, but what we do – what we can healthily speculate on, mm, yeah. No, it was a, just a, a great moment all in all. Yes. Very, very good to see. Yeah. That was definitely a Cinderella kind of moment. So I hope he kind of stays retired because it makes the story that much more better. Yes. So, And if you're going to watch any fight from here, I recommend this one, actually. Yeah. It's only 33 seconds. It won't take up a lot of time. Oh, we should also mention all of these fights can be found in their entirety on the PFL's actual YouTube channel. Yes. And it's not just the fights. It's the it's the fights and the build up to the fight and the post fight speeches. So it's pretty complete. Yeah, yeah it's not good. it's not one big brick like some of the older events that you'll see on Fight Pass. They're separated by bout. I believe they have playlists uh, still up and set for them. So, um, yeah, you, you're you're it's right there on YouTube. I'm glad you brought that up as well, because, uh, you know, if you missed it and you want to just check out what's been going on, you got a little bit of a break here from UFC Bellator. And I mean, well, you have Ryzen for New Year's. But once that wears off, you want you still need another hit. Check that out. All right. So moving on to the next match, <clears throat> this one for the 145 pound championship, Lance Palmer in a rematch with Steven Seiler. And um not too this is probably the least exciting fight. So we had the most exciting fight open the open the card, followed by the least exciting fight. Um the at the the last maybe twenty seconds of the very first round were pretty lit. Steven Seiler came up with this crazy head kick that wobbled Palmer, and then immediately Lance comes back with this crazy overhand that dropped Siler. So it was it was that was the most exciting moments of this entire fight. Other than that, it was pretty much just Palmer grinding away at Siler. That was pretty much it. And they both faced off the year prior at uh, the PFL's fight night event. It was a non-tournament thing. It was sort of setting the table and showing the investors what the uh, hot rod is going to be capable of. And these two end up in the final. And um, that was actually pretty cool because Palmer continued to be undefeated throughout the that whole year. And Siler, you know, he um, he struggled a bit. <laughs> he certainly had some certainly sure. had some some vicious uh, uh, moments there. But he he put away Magomed Idrisov, which was impressive with a the submission. Then he goes in there against former champ Alexandre Darmeh, that guy who had had a very controversial win against Palmer in the past. And turns out that no, this guy made fairly short work of him, submitting him early in the first round. Then he goes to a draw. Again, another guy, another another thing that PFL was not ready for was the draws, no contests and things like that. And um, 
Then what happens? He gets a rematch, a rematch against uh, Delmeida, who uh, ends up basically throwing the fight away with an illegal up kick. And, well, there you go. Now you're in there against Lance Palmer again. So very <laughs> funky circumstances. But that's not to say that he didn't deserve a shot because he was a very um, – you know, he, he got those finishes and the PFL has a scoring system, right? I mean, you have if you get a finish within the first round, second round, third round, if it goes to a decision, you get a set amount of points. Uh, if you lose, you get zero. So, I mean, you could conceivably lose your first two fights, go in there and get a knock, two knockouts in a row or two submissions in a row in the first round. And you can still be in the in the hunt for the title. Like you can still actually like be there if it's looking at a five. You know, I mean, this is, of course, accepting the play, but I'm just setting that number um for reasons to just to just to lay out the uh, right it wasn't the way the uh, format can be salvaged it wasn't you know? a win to get in kind of situation right i mean you can still lose one fight or you know you, you could still make it to the end especially if everybody else isn't doing so hot like if you get a couple of dudes that everybody else is winning decisions like well shit you you get a knockout or two here and there you, you're probably in there gunning for it yeah and after that man he Sather just fell off he was always someone tough and always game and if you weren't as durable and you didn't have as good of cardio, you were going to lose. He was going to come back on you at some point and catch you in something or with something. Yeah. Uh, but he was just outgunned here. Palmer's just just better. Yeah, that's, and that's the, it, it was sad to see Siler fall off the way he did because that was followed by five straight losses, then a win against a guy who was 9-2. and two. Siler at that point was 32-21 with one draw, and then another four losses. Yeah. I mean, the most recent being at the beginning of this month of December I, against Micah Miller. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, it's good he's getting checks, I guess, but I, I don't know. It's man. looking it's, very Bob Sappish. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I gotta wonder what kind of damage he's taking. Yeah, true. Uh, but for Lawrence Palmer, I mean, he won the million dollars. He went on to win the million dollars the following year in the 2019 um, season. So he cashed. He's one of these guys, man. He probably could have went to the UFC, you know, following um, the dismantling of the World Series of Fighting. He was their champion. Uh, so yeah. he, he could have easily, you know, went with Marlon Marais to the UFC. Right. But, you know, he doesn't have the same manager, which, of course, probably grants you certain exceptions. He didn't have the same style. You know, Marlon was seen as a very dynamic guy who was, you know, explosive and technical. And, you know, he has obviously strikers are much more favored in the eyes of many viewers and fans and promoters because that's like a much more, um, you know, even though we have more of a, uh, an understanding of the complexities of grappling as fan as a fan base goes, it's not the same. It's not as easy to sell to a group of investors that don't quite know what they're looking at. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Marlon was always going to have an easier time and he had like that constant push, whereas Palmer, he never really he kept winning, but he never really got that same kind of attention. And hey, which he is bet on fun. himself and he yeah. kept going. That's fine. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love that this. And, and that's why I, I'm saying I'm so happy that P, PFL is a thing because it gives fighters a different option. It helps the it helps make the UFC look like less of a monopoly. <laughs> Well, that's also I true. I mean, it, it does it does take away some of the monopoly monopsony combo off the table by a bit because you do have now something that is viable in terms of like in the views in the view of fighters at least to be like okay that's a group if I can get in there you know I might be able to make a million and then springboard into the UFC or Bellator or I might just you know keep it going and Palmer looked at the field and said shit ain't nobody here who's gonna beat me <laughs> so no it's, it's great. 
Great. It, it's awesome. And then, I mean, outside of the tournament, I mean, he just beat Shaman Rice by unanimous, unanimous decision. And I mean, he got 170 grand for that, 85 to show and 85 to win. So his his regular contract is still, you know, yeah. And this stellar. Was after, that and was after three, That was after three straight losses too. Like, look at the killers. Um, Marlon Marais had to go up against, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, you want to go fight these killers in the UFC for less pay, or you want to go get paid <laughs> exactly. and fight Shaman Marais? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a sweet gig. All right, but good on good on Lance Palmer. Sorry to see Tyler take such a a fall. Um, but I, you know, that's the fight the fight game, the hurt business, I guess, as they as they say. All right, uh, let's get on to our second and and final decision of the event. Natan Schultz taking a unanimous nod over Rashid Magomedov. This one was tough to score, man. Um, yeah. Very sticky fights. Very uh, the, the styles were, were clashing so hard. Um, Rashid lost a point in the second round for an eye poke. He didn't even get a warning or anything. It was just the infraction happened and the point was deducted, which was kind of strange. Uh, uh, you don't usually see referees, you know, quick on the draw with deducting a point for for the first eye poke. But, you know, it was a thing. And essentially you had Magomedov landing all the strikes and then you had Schultz with all the control and the takedowns and the grinding and Magomedov just landed way more strikes but I guess he didn't spread them out far enough across five rounds for him to get the nod probably I mean I don't know it just I I don't yeah I mean even watching it now I'm not even 100% sure like I don't I guess I'm watching it and I'm thinking I'm more paying attention to what each guy is doing well and whatnot. And I guess I didn't really have so much of a focus on scoring it when I was watching it then or now. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough one either way because these are two guys that are tremendously talented and Schultz held on to that lightweight dominance for quite some time. He's one of those dudes that I kind of expected him to go to the USC until I realized no, this I realize the same thing that Lance Palmer realized. I could stay here and make more money, Dingus. What are you thinking? I gotta go around and roll the dice on on some. No, there's no need for this whatsoever. So, um, Schultz went out there, man. He had a hell of a year. He beat Luis Firmino. He had a draw against Will Brooks, who's still trying to make his way back to the UFC and very well might actually do it. Then a really, really impressive win against Diago Tavares, and then you know it just. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I said, I said, Schultz, I'm, I'm talking about Rashid. Rashid had that year, Firmino, Brooks, Tavares. So he looked like he was going to put up a hell of a fight. And he did. And it was a very, um, as you said, a very tight contest. And Schultz, man, he just had, he just has a very pleasing style to the judges. He does a lot of the things right. He keeps control in the right moments. He's pressing forward. Uh, he wears damage very well. So uh, I'm guessing that has a lot to do with it, too, you know? Yeah, um, like the fight was very close, but yeah. it doesn't look that way on paper. No. Uh, Magomedov outstruck Schultz 113 to 42. He almost tripled up on strikes and still lost. Yeah. So, tough one to score. Um, Magomedov got ahead early with the with with his striking. The point deduction was weird in an already close round. 
And then Magomedo started running out of gas in the championship rounds, and Schultz was coming on strong, lots of cage control, a lot of clinching up against the fence. And, I mean, after the, as soon as the fight was done, Schultz was running around with his hands over his head like he won. Mm-hmm. Seemed super confident, which was kind of crazy, but I guess he knew something that I didn't know. Cause I guess so. I mean, shit. <laughs> Who judged this fight? Was Doug Crosby in there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying maybe him. Somebody put some, some, I mean, I don't want to like, okay. I mean, I'm going to say it anyway, but I don't want to like sit here and cast aspersions or any of that, but damn, somebody put money on the town to win list. Like what's going on here? How, how did that happen with those? But no, on paper, certainly it doesn't. It, yeah. It's obviously going to have a, a greater disparity, but the, the, the stats don't always tell the full story either way, you know? Yeah. So sticky fight, um, grueling fight, but ultimately, you know, like we're, you were saying earlier about betting on yourself, Natan bet, bet on himself. He he chose to forego the UFC to go chase the million dollar prize. Metaphorically, and, I want to clarify so legal can <laughs> just save him some time and energy. Metaphorically, he bet on himself, not in not right. in a literal sense. Thank you. Right. This isn't this this is not a James Krause situation. No, it is not. No. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, that's probably uh, important to to clarify that. So yes. Schultz, he's still he's still doing his thing um, in the in the PFL. He went on to win the 2019 series as well. Yeah. Super impressive. Uh, came up short in 2021 and uh, 2022 got knocked out by OAM uh, in the first round or not or uh, didn't get knocked out, but um, lost a split decision kind of. Set him back a little bit, mm-hmm. but I, I'm glad that he took that gamble metaphorically, and it just goes to show like you don't have to go to the UFC to to make it big in MMA anymore. Right. All right, let's get on to something a little more exciting. Yes. Two-time Olympic gold medalist at the 2012 and 2016 games, Kayla Harrison defeats Moriel Charneski. By TKO at 339 of round one. Like I said earlier, this was Kayla's third professional MMA fight. She comes in with that strong, absolutely strong uh, judo background. Think Ronda Rousey, but much bigger. And this was her trying to not just submit somebody. She came and it was very clear once she got in full mount that she was looking for a TKO finish. She was dropping... Ground and pound, hammer fists. Uh, she did go for a few submissions, but you could tell she was trying to get the TKO. She wanted to knock out here. And it was kind of cool just seeing, you know, someone super raw to MMA, although they still have such a high level of specialty, I'll say. Um, so watching her, you know, just kind of cut her teeth and learn the ropes, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, that was pretty much it. You look, you knew you were going to see here. Anybody who's been paying attention, anyone who's been seeing this, you 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 know that this was the Kayla Harrison show. She was being brought in here to, you know, just do a ton of damage. And Charneski, I you know, I don't want to be mean or anything like that, but she really didn't have any business being in this fight. Amateur losses to Rose Namajunas and Leah Letson, they don't look so bad, right? That's not a not a sure. big a deal. But then she goes in there, turns pro, she ends up having a as a one in one fighter a pro loss to shanna young again not that bad right then she goes on to it's a win loses against pam sorison 
Now you get a little concerning because you're like, okay, is this where her ceiling has solidified? Then a loss against Marseille Allen. A win against Sarah Patterson, then loses to Kayla Harrison, then three straight after that, including her final bout or her last bout, which was in 2020. She was three and seven fighting someone who was 0 and two when she lost that fight. I don't know, man. I'm not. No, this was not. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's kind of target practice in a way. And I don't think it's the worst thing that can happen. There's only so many women that you'll have fighting at lightweight. There's only so many women that you'll have that, you know, come from, you know, wherever, right? Because you got to pad out this field. But mm-hmm. uh, like, is it the worst thing? No, nah, not really. Not really. You, you know, you got a three and oh against three and four. Despite the background and everything, like, I don't know that you want to put her in there against Layla Ali, you know, you don't want to put her, you don't want to fast track Kayla too badly, but they don't really, they didn't really have a a field to fast track her against, you know, I don't think there was as much um, the scarcity of reliable talent at lightweight is is a thing. And that's kind of how you ended up here. So good for her on getting the win as expected, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it was a showcase. It was fun for the fans. Good for her to get some some cage time in. And, uh, you know, 3-0, and you can't expect to be facing anyone no. really and, substantial. And caliber of opposition notwithstanding, she looked good. She did everything right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, she had good form. She had decent positioning. She had great cage awareness. Like, uh, it, it's not— and she, she even had to eat a flurry to start the fight. So she did get hit, and she had to feel what that's like. So that's good. Yeah, and she didn't wither, you know? She didn't She didn't even flinch. She just took it. She just ate that. And, man, she went on to just start mauling people left and right. She's currently 15-1, and one, actually just suffered her first loss. Yeah. Um, well, let's back up for a second because the, the PFL, um, they started doing a lightweight season for the women. And so Kayla Harrison was able to come in and – score a million dollars uh, a, a million dollar payday for herself mm-hmm. which was pretty cool she did that in 2021 um and like that's great like she's a, she's an american hero right so i mean she's she's a very she's a success story on various fronts and yeah so she it, is, well, she's a very personable she's smart she's cool she's got a great personality you know, I mean, she she has some sense of media awareness. You don't hear her talk about her politics or, you know, too many strong beliefs that would be seen maybe unconventional. I don't know what her um, what positions she holds on certain things, but, you know, that can be something that'll hurt you. But when it comes to mainstream attraction, if anybody in PFL has that potential, it's definitely her. And I'm surprised that they haven't done more with it, really. Yeah, I mean, she goes and wins two gold medals for America and then. You know, she also won the 2019 PFL season. So she got two paydays, two million dollar paydays. Love to see that. And she's pulling down. She's making bank like in her individual bouts regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the figure was, but she's not. I mean, like this, this she's making, you know, she's probably made about three mil by this point on just on paper disclosed. You know, hopefully I, I hope so. Absolutely. I hope so. Uh, but she did just suffer her first setback ever in her trilogy bout with Larissa, uh, excuse me, Larissa Pacheco. Uh, um, that was a tough match for her. Pacheco yeah. came to bang, and uh, I think the judges definitely got that right. It was a split decision, but mm-hmm. Kayla took all the damage and delivered none of it, and her takedowns didn't account for much. So major set- setback. Um, but I, I mean, we've seen Kayla lose before in judo, and she came back even stronger. Yeah. So yeah. 
I mean, she's I, still the top. She's still the face of the organization for all, you know, for all intents and purposes. Like, let's not kid ourselves. She's definitely still like the, um, you know, the, the most visible of all talents that they have. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's not it, this is the, just uh, when you have someone who's been as dogged a competitor as her. This might just fuel her. Like, this, this might yeah. just make her even like she's probably going to come back and be like fucking indestructible. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, man. You know, the uh, rematch is coming down the pipe or the yeah. tetralogy. It's a, it'll I'm, be a I'm tetralogy. I'm good for it. I'm good for it because you know what, man? The way this last fight went, shit, they're both just getting better. Yeah, real. For real. You know, good to see. Awesome, awesome uh, performance. Uh, another fun fight coming down the pipe uh, was Sean O'Connell, the real OC. Remember him? Remember the real OC? Well, I'm not quite uh, sure. The, I, he, I never got the appeal of that nickname, but okay. I mean, I'll, I'll fine. Whatever. I don't understand what it means. Like, are I'm, there counterfeit? Not... Are there counterfeit OCs? Are there? I, I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know, man. But either either way, this was an absolute banger. Um, this was the light heavyweight finale. Sean O'Connell, Sean O'Connell defeats Vinny Magalish by TKO, a retirement TKO, five minutes uh, in the third round, which pretty much means the second, the third round was over. Vinny uh, asked his corner to stop the fight, and it was over. But what an opening round for Vinny, man. He comes out. And does great. He gets the fight to the floor into his wheelhouse. He takes Sean's back, has him completely flattened out at points, just truly imposed his will, um, just couldn't get a finish. And it came at the cost of his gas tank. And then the second round comes and Sean just starts letting his hands go. I mean, yes. he is just tuning up Vinny on the feet, um, rocking him nonstop, keeping him wobbly forcing a whole series of desperation takedowns. I mean, there were moments where uh, Sean, he was trying some ground and pound um, and Vinny almost caught him in an arm bar. almost caught him in a triangle. And you just hear uh, O'Connell's coach, Jeremy Horn, UFC vet screaming at him to stand up, just stand up, stand up. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, O'Connell listened. He responded well and started fighting a lot smarter. His FIQ went through the roof. And, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Trademark. Just, and, and he knew what he had to do. And so you saw so many just poor takedown attempts to backflops from Vinny to the point. I mean, it was it was getting pathetic, honestly. Yeah. And, well, I think that's kind of where you end up having that. You know, we had this realization a long time ago. It's not something that's been exactly a secret, but a lot of jujitsu guys excellent on the ground. Not too great at getting it to the ground. You know, you can't yeah. just pull guard and have dudes be like, OK, I'm going to follow you down. You know, you can't just butt scoot and think this dude's going to dive all over you like that. It doesn't work that way. I mean, at least set better bait, something. Uh, act, you know, play possum, act hurt, shit. Nope, didn't happen. And Sean, uh, you know, he capitalized on it, showing himself to be coachable and smarter than the average bear. Uh, did that, won his million, retired, and now he's doing commentary for them. And great for him. Yeah, it's a, it's another um... – an, another just awesome success story. Uh, but we should say, if you are light heavyweight and you do want to pull guard, then you better be Paul Craig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with this, that's kind of I don't know if I can if we can attribute this to the urgency of the tournament model or what the case may be. But there's something about this. And at least in PFL's case, and we've seen this to a degree with Bellator, they managed to make light heavyweight exciting. Yeah, you know, well, you don't, you don't, you don't have to be the one of the top three or four guys 
to have like a really, you know, a barn burner fight. And I don't mean like the most technical or the most, um, uh, the most uh, attractive uh, fight from a technique perspective, you know? I think we should also mention when you're talking about Vinny's gas tank here. So all four of his fights for this season, he finished everybody in under two minutes. Everybody, mm. right? Everyone got got smoked. You know, whether it was submissions, whether it was head kicks, like he he just ran through everyone. And so when he went after Sean in that first round, he probably thought, oh, I'm just going to run through him like I did everybody else. And and wasn't used to to having to fight through the later rounds. And so, I mean, he was just so exhausted by the end of the third that he just gets to the stool and asks the coach to stop to fight. And that was that. He Sean O'Connor. <laughs> like he ran into a different kind of adversity that time. And that's that's going to happen, you know. Yeah, it was um, tough for him, I'll say. Definitely a tough break. But good for Sean O'Connell, man. What a way to ride off into the sunset. You know what I mean? You, you leave the UFC, um, you start commentating for the PFL, and you see your opportunity, and you just take it full force. And mm-hmm. my man became a millionaire yeah. before taxes. Before taxes. I'm glad you keep stressing that. <laughs> it's big. It's necessary. So, so exciting fight. Typical Sean O'Connell just letting his hands go and, and – you know, excellent sprawls here. He, he had a, a really strong sprawl game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. This was a fun fight. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings us to our co-main event of the evening. Felipe Lins defeats Josh Copeland by TKO 30 seconds into the fourth round. And uh, poor Copeland. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor fella. He just, ah, man. He went he's for just, it, man. He tried it. You know, he made it this far. He's just not polished. No, no, he's 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 had um, he's had some. Um, uh, what should we even? How should we categorize this? He's had a, a, a not. Uh, what's the opposite of a Cinderella story? I don't know. I he just a tragedy. I, is it really? The, I mean, okay, so he loses to Jack May in the opening, right? Then he wins against Sean Jordan in a pretty ugly decision. Has a draw against Francis Marbajoso, who had been turning things around and turned into a fairly reliable action fighter in PFL. And then he knocks the, the, the absolute piss out of Alex Nicholson. That was it. That's what he needed. And that's what punched his ticket to get to the finale. Philippe Linz goes in there and just brutalizes him in the fourth round and puts him down and out. And, um, you know, Linz, I've been feeling pretty bad for seeing what he's the, – the, the, how things have gone wrong for him at the UFC. But – Good for him on this one, man. Holy shit. He really he really made this work, man. He really um, managed to be something of an unlikely um, contender after his time in Bellator and, you know, toiling around on the Brazilian circuit. So uh, this was a big coup for PFL to pick this guy up. It's a shame he didn't stick with them. Yeah, um, he's definitely a talent. That's for sure. And currently, you know, doing his thing in the UFC – um, he's one of those guys who kind of did the circuit, right? Like he was in Bellator, you know, had some some success and failures there, uh, goes into the PFL, cashes in big time and, and then, uh, you know, goes over to the UFC and, and he's trying to make something happen over there. He's actually booked uh, February 18th against OSP. Yet again, this is like the third time they booked this fight. 
Yeah, I wonder why they want this to happen so badly. I don't know. I, I, is there no one else? I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but Copeland just doesn't have the polish, man. It's it's that simple. He uh he had defense for almost three rounds, and by the fourth, it was it was nothing but face blocking. Yeah, I mean that's the ref. That's the ref couldn't take it no more. He's like, all right, dude, you're just gonna come out here and just let this guy punch you in the face. I'm stopping the fight. Like, the ref was like, yo, I had enough of this shit, man. <laughs> Put your right hand up. Do something, man. Just stick your yeah, tongue out. It was, tough. Like, he was, it was so good. And this just this speaks to the importance of fundamentals. Yeah. Like, if you don't have fundamentals, once your gas tank goes, you're donezo. Yeah. This is the perfect case of, of the, why you need and what could happen when you don't have those deep-rooted, basic defensive fundamentals your gas tank goes and then you just come out with your arms by your side. Yeah. Just swinging wildly thinking that that's going to get you somewhere. It just doesn't. I mean, shit, even Sean Shirk would just do the double glove in front of the face thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm dead tired, but I'm just going to, I'm still going to block. Yeah. Cause you still got to find a way to bullshit the ref. You know what I mean? You still got to find, well, you got to find, you know, the presentation Right. Is an element of this, and and he understood that. So you know that's that's a savvy veteran move. You know, Copeland seemed to have never picked up. No, he he. Uh, I guess he flunked out of the Benson Henderson school of the no sell. <laughs> ah, I guess. But uh, tough to watch at some points just because of the 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 face blocking. But you know, credit to Lenz, man. He he showed up. He did his thing. Got his bag, and and now he's going for prestige in the UFC. So more power to him. Good for, I hope his paydays are thick. I hope he's making like you know like good money. I don't know. I haven't looked into what his uh, his disclosed pay looks like. If they, I don't even know if it's he been got he got uh, eighty grand to fight Arlovsky in mm-hmm. a losing effort. Uh, eighty grand to lose to Tanner Bozer also. Mm-hmm. Well, so the Tanner Bozer like, loss looks a little less bad. Than, than maybe the Orlovsky one. I don't know. Nah, I mean, there's no shame in losing to Orlovsky. He's a legend. No, not drastically worse, but but to a degree. It was in a small in, in on a small level. Like yeah, it's kind of like you'd expect him to be one of the guys who'd be able to pass that test. You know, Orlovsky's solidly in in um, gatekeeper status right now. He's the eternal gatekeeper. He's a vampire. He's not. He's never. Going he is, there. but he's. You know what? He's making bank. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that brings us to our main event of the evening. Magomed Magomed Karimov defeats Ray Cooper the third by submission, guillotine choke at 218 of round two. And this is exactly what you would expect out of Ray Cooper. He came out hyper aggressive as always, but that quickly worked worked against him as Magomed Karimov tripped him up easily and got on top and was able to initiate the grappling exchanges where he was going to thrive and stay away from that whole horsepower that cooper packs in his hands um and then round two cooper got caught in a bad position and magomed karamov jumped an arm in guillotine i was shocked i i'm the first to to preach against jumping guillotines especially yeah. arm in guillotines but i'll be damned if it didn't work it did. I mean, hey, he, he he went for it, man. He gambled on it and he and he did it. He he swung for the fences. And you heard the crack of the bat. He made it work. I guess it's only it's only crazy if it doesn't work, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if it does work, you're a genius. Uh, yeah, very much so. 
But yeah, Cooper just, uh, you know, he got caught in a submission, just being a little too overzealous with his approach, and Magomed Karamov made him pay for it. <laughs> but don't feel too bad for Ray, as he would go on to win a PFL season against Magomed Karamov, yep. finally getting his retribution and mm-hmm. knocking him out, uh, making a statement, and uh, really just one of the more breakout performances or just breakout stars. Can I call him a star? I guess if I you're mean, a fight, yeah, yeah, breakout talent maybe, cause he doesn't get that kind of exposure, yeah. but he should be seen as, as a, as a big deal because he is, I mean, he's, he's been, uh, he's been a staple of their organization since the inception. Uh, and you got to remember that first year he beat Jake Shields twice. I mean, he blasted him he twice, put him away. He went in there against Pavel Koshu. There was some, concerned because of the disparity in their uh, experience level and he made it look easy he goes in there against Hondas and Ferreira another guy who's been in there against some tough dudes and slept it just you know decided no we're not going to do this here fights his cousin the following year Zane Kamaka loses to John Howard and still makes his way to the finale and ends up winning it there like yeah this dude knocking out Chris Curtis let's not forget two-time champ though he won in 2019 and oh actually no uh, yeah, yeah, 19 and 21. Yeah, yeah. two-time champ. Because, yep. of course, you know, all this had waving my arms around. Pandemic, you know, that happened. And, uh, yeah. you know, 2022 was not kind to him. He had a loss against Carlos Leal in a crazy upset. But he did get a win against Brett Cooper. But by that point, he was pretty much out of contention. I believe he suffered an injury or had to um, pull out for the rest of the year. So or at least during that, that frame of the year. So um, that was it for that. Uh, in terms of what the welterweight year looked like for him, Magomed, though, man, he uh, he's he's still out there. He's still doing crazy work. He's still doing crazy damage. That last win against Glayson Tebow, maybe not the prettiest, but it showed he still got it. He's still a, a tremendous uh, threat to anybody that steps in there. Yeah, I mean, he's got two wins over Chris Curtis, you know, choked out Curtis Millinder with an Ezekiel choke, which is pretty wild. Um, very different styles between these two. I'm sure they'll yeah. fight again. They have to fight again. They need that rubber match. Maybe. I don't know, man. I just want to see. I just hope that Ray Cooper isn't like done. You know what I mean? I hope this isn't one of those things where we see the beginning of his decline because he's not he's not old. You know, he's 29 just now. I mean, this dude came in a baby. This right. dude's dad fought Jake Shields, you know? So um, yeah, that's it, crazy. It is true. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. And Magomed for his for his uh, he's only 32, but I mean he's also been fighting professionally since 2008. So you got to wonder how much more time these guys have to be in, not necessarily their prime, but at least in the kind of shape and the kind of condition where you're like, yeah, this dude is competitive in a big way. Yeah, but if you're if you're someone who who's like a big Robbie Lawler kind of fan or like a Melvin Manhoff kind of fan, mm-hmm. go check out Ray Cooper the Third's highlight reel. You will not be disappointed, oh, yeah. man. He's no, so it's, ferocious. It's sick. It, it really is impressive. All right, well, Vic, I, I guess that that covers this uh, PFL 2018 championship season. Uh, I'm glad you picked this card because it was fire. It was fun to watch every fight, even even the decisions. They they still had something for me. Like I said, the clash of styles with Rashid Magomedov and Natan Shult. It had the point deduction. You don't know what the judges are going to do. It, you know, it was suspenseful. And then plenty of knockouts, uh, cool submissions. Someone jumped a freaking arm and guillotine and got it. You know, Kayla Harrison doing her thing. Um, 
what would you say was your favorite part of this entire card? I guess my favorite part was, well, the fact that it was, the way I remember at least, was a little breezy. It's only seven fights. They were all five rounders, but there's only, in terms of just decisions, we only had two. Uh, they didn't yeah. they didn't dawdle too much in having too much filler between one fight and the next. And that was good. That was actually pretty great there. But I think I guess, you know, maybe my my favorite um my favorite thing was was watching Lewis Taylor make it to the mountaintop, like I said, right? Yeah. Him him getting yeah. that uh that cool moment and you know, without us really knowing it, capping off his career right there. Kayla Harrison again sort of having a bigger stage to you know, really demonstrate that she was going to solidify her status and, you know, then seeing uh, Lynn's do body work because I'm a sucker for body work. I just can't. I was yeah, crushed yeah. to see Cooper lose at the end. I really thought he was going to do it, man. I really thought he had it. And it turns out he did just not that night. Yeah. Um, you know, these things happen, but all in all, a fantastic card. I, I feel like they hit a home run with this one. They paid out six million dollars in prize money both lower taxes and it, it gives like we said fighters uh an option you know it's not it's a small option but at least it is an option in a heavily ufc dominated market so i mean go watch it it's free you have no reason not to and then yeah. hop in the comment section and tell us your favorite moment from the card and try you not to cry when you Taylor. have time hey listen if you're listening to this now you got time you know you ain't got no job you know those kids ain't yours what are you doing watch this now <laughs> watch those now you hate those kids anyway they're ugly and they hate you and you hate them back <laughs> on on that note uh you can find both of us over at bloodyelbow.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find Victorious on Twitter at the Vic, oh, just Vic M. Rodriguez, right? At Vic yeah, M. Rodriguez. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I guess go be a good person. Enjoy the holidays. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Bivis Section, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA depressed us. Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive fighter interviews. Show money. Guest podcasts. The Hey Not the Face podcast. And radio style play by play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always on BloodyElbow.com.